This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. You know, a lot of good things are happening in your young teenagers' lives. Did you know that? And thank God for the privilege we have to share the truth of God's Word. You know, in Proverbs, when Solomon was writing that, you know, he, it was kind of in the context of, uh, you know, my son, listen to your mom and dad, you know, that kind of deal. But the reality is, is that we're the ones as parents that give shape and form to how our children will turn out. And um, so I'm so grateful for what Pastor Brian and others in the youth department are doing for our kids. And you ought to let them know that. You know, it's so um, easy for us. We all do this. You know, we take everything. We take so many things for granted. And really, we ought. You know, it's kind of like, well, yeah, yeah, we appreciate them. Well, we ought to let them know. I said we ought to. We ought to let them know. You know, give honor to whom honor is due. And um, I believe if you'll do that, you'll be blessed. Praise God. So anyway, let's open our Bibles this morning. I want to get right after it today uh, to Mark's Gospel. Chapter 4, if you can find that opening in your Bibles, Mark chapter 4. And of course, we want to welcome all of you. We're glad that you're here, especially those that are watching online. Uh, I think Sunday morning to be in church is a good thing. Amen? Wherever you are. And so uh, thank God for this privilege we have uh, to join together. Amen. Mark chapter 4. And then let's go ahead and pray. We'll just uh, put our hearts in a place to receive from heaven. Y'all want to receive something from heaven? You say, no, 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 I came so I could have some social time with people. Well, then get your phone out and socialize or whatever. Now we're here to honor the king. We're here to worship him. And we're here to learn something. Amen? How many of you want your lives to be better? Well, praise God, the king of kings and the Lord of lords knows all about life. And if you'll listen to him, uh, he'll bless you. How many of you know that what God said is true? Hallelujah. The Bible says that forever, everybody say forever. Forever, O oh Lord, is your word settled in heaven. You know, there's another scripture, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with, but he says, I am the Lord, I do not change. So whatever God says, and, and here's another one to couple with that. He says, I cannot lie. It doesn't, it doesn't say uh, he doesn't lie. It says he's incapable of lying. So what's that mean for you and me? Well, it means a lot to trust in the Lord and to know, praise God, that he is a person, person in the sense of, you know, uh, the third person or the first person of the Trinity, <laughs> um, that he is a person whose word can be trusted. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray together. Father, <clears throat> for these few moments we have together, Lord, I, I again, I, I just thank you, Father, for helping me, for giving me utterance, for communicating uh, in a manner, Father, that is not only relevant, but understandable. God, may we, may we move past the things that are on the surface and really be able to see what it is you want us to see today. And I thank you, Father God, for revelation from heaven by the Holy Spirit in the hearts of men and women. 
I thank you, Lord God, for giving them an insight perhaps that they've never had or a reminder or of that which they've had a glimpse into in their past. And I thank you, Lord, that with your word and the revelation of it will come peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so we just thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Praise God. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And the same day when the evening was come, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, Jesus, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. <clears throat> and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he said unto the disciples, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea would obey him? This morning I want to share with you about knowing your heavenly Father and how important that is as a Christian. Because many Christians, truth be told, don't really know who their Father, heavenly Father, really is. And when I say that, I'm talking about his character, his will toward you. How, what his real posture toward you as his child might be. Because, you know, the Bible, we read it all the time, you know, if God be for us, who can be against us? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. And different places, you know, where Jesus talked about that the Lord would be with us. Well, <clears throat> the truth be told is, is that you know, a lot of times when it comes, we live so in the natural, in our natural lives and circumstances and things, you know, that, that we're dealing with that um, we, we the, the reality of these truths get past us. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, when Jesus was just a, a child, he was a 12-year-old boy, <clears throat> they went down to Jerusalem as a matter of their uh, annual pilgrimage for worship and things of that nature. And when they were coming back, they found out he wasn't with them. And so they turned around, and they went back to find him, you know, figure out where in the world he was. Well, he was in the temple and he was listening to, um, you know, the, the Pharisees and the relig religious rulers. And, and of course, you know, the parents, if you can imagine, I mean, when you lose your child, guess what? You get upset. I mean, unless there's something wrong with you, <laughs> hopefully you're not going, hallelujah, you know, you know. <clears throat> but no, they were <clears throat> obviously upset because when they, when they came to him, they, um, they rebuked him pretty sharply. And his response to them was simply, you know, well, what, what's, what's the big deal here? Don't you understand that I need to be about my father's business? So Jesus wasn't all stirred up about the fact that his parents had left town, huh? You know, and uh, <clears throat> because he was obviously more conscious of and interested in something else, and that was the things of his heavenly 
father. And so with that came a real peace in his life. So again, excuse me, a lot of people don't know who their heavenly father really is. And because of this uncertainty, or I could say the lack of knowledge or understanding, it puts Christians at a real disadvantage when it comes to dealing with the affairs of your life. You know, I mean, you read in the scriptures all the time. I mean, we've preached it, I don't know, dozens of times, maybe hundreds of times about how much the Father cares for you. But the reality is a lot of times we get in a pickle, you know what I mean by that, and all of a sudden, dude, we're, we're flying about this far up off the ground, you know, wondering what in the world we're going to do. <clears throat> That's the result of not knowing him. Are you with me? Amen. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Okay. So here's the thing for us to understand, that when we, when we first become Christians, it's understandable that we would be, quote-unquote, in the dark. In other words, a lot of things that we don't know. But after some time, as we discover the truth found within the Word, there is a heavenly expectation. Everybody say, heavenly expectation. God has an expectation that you and I grow in our relationship with Him. And you see it all over in the scriptures when the disciples were with him just for a short three and a half years. I mean, there are times when he said, what part of this don't you understand? In other words, you know, you ought to know this by now for lack of a better way of putting it. But, you know, he wants us, you know, after some time to discover the truths found within the word. And again, there's this expectation that we begin to respond to those truths that are found within the Word of God. I'll give you this illustration. Um, I was first acquainted with my wife in junior high. She was a seventh grader, I was an eighth grader. And all of a sudden, I don't know why, you know, in in elementary school I never noticed this girl, but I did in junior high. Hmm? Ah, yeah. Well, you know, it really never ever amounted to anything. You know, I just, you know, we got acquainted, but just you know, very briefly. So we go on down the road. And then she's a sophomore and I'm a junior. And we begin to date. Now again, you know, I only, I didn't really know her. I mean, I knew who she was. I knew where she lived and all this and that and the other, but I didn't really know her. But the more time that we spent with one another, the more that we communicated with one another, the more that we grew to know one another. And we chose to spend the rest of our lives together. And now after, well, if you count the whole thing, 48 years, uh, I think I know her pretty well. Amen. At least I know what she don't like. <laughs> Amen. But I tell you what, I love her with all my heart. You know, I, I loved her in the beginning, and you never think that you could ever love anybody anymore. But I tell you, the older we get, the more I love her. I love you, baby. She is the bomb. Hallelujah. You know. But the truth of the matter is, is in a natural relationship, the, the same thing should be true about our spiritual relationship. But a lot of times people don't put, put much time into it. You know, they get saved. And, you know, they know they're going to heaven and they just kind of go down the road of life doing whatever it is that they do. And <clears throat> when there's so much more for them to understand... And that responsibility rests with us, you as an individual. I can help you as a pastor. 
you know, maybe provide some guidance, maybe, you know, open up the scriptures to you a little bit. But, you know, really, when I get up here and preach, all I'm really doing is meditating for a week and telling you what I've been thinking about, you know. And that's all well and good, but how many of you know God wants you to get it for yourself? Now, if I can be a catalyst for that, hallelujah. But uh, years ago, uh, the founder of the Bible school that I attended, Kenneth E. Hagan, when he was a 15-year-old boy, he became bedfast. I think about four months before his uh, 16th birthday. And um, <clears throat> he actually was on that deathbed for 16 months before he got a revelation of the Word of God and was healed by the power of God. And during that time, you know, uh, he goes into much detail about trying to, you know, uh, discover how he could be healed. And he had talked with the doctors, and from a medical standpoint, there was no chance of him because of a uh, blood disease, because of, you know, heart can, uh, uh, deformed heart. I mean, this, this kid was in trouble. He was, he was in bad shape. So he knew that if there was any help for him, it had to be in the Bible. So he began to read the Word of God, and there were uh, deficiencies and things that made that difficult as well. But on one occasion, you know, while he was praying, he said, Now, Lord, he said, Lord Jesus, he said, If you were to, if you were to come here into my bedroom stand here in the flesh and tell me, you know, son, your problem is, is that you don't believe. He said, he said, Lord, respectfully, I'd have to tell you that you're a liar because I do believe, you know, because he'd been reading in the scriptures and he was reading Mark 11 chapter or chapter 11 uh, verses 23 and four, that what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. So he said, Lord, I do believe well, he no more than got that out of his mouth, and the Lord on the inside of him spoke to him and said, you do believe as far as you know. So, that, so there was something that he didn't know or understand. Well, he later then discovered that he had to believe before he received what it is that he was needing, it came as a revelation to him, and he says, I see it. I got it. And it wasn't too much long, longer after that he came up off that bed healed by the power of God. So my point is, is, is the Lord said, you do believe as far as you know. Remember when the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians was writing, he said that, uh, that we might become filled, everybody say filled, filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then it goes on in his prayer that we would increase, everybody say increase, increase in the knowledge of God. See, it doesn't, you need to forget about what the world says, what religion says, and all these different kinds. That's not what's going to help you. The thing that's going to help you is what the Bible says what God's word to you says. That's what brings about change in our lives is when we come to know the truth and that truth makes us free. You know, before I was saved, I didn't know that I uh, didn't have to be bound by alcohol or drug addictions or anything of that nature. I was, I was without that knowledge. And a lot of people, you know, they'll, they end up being bound by the conditions that they, you know, find themselves getting into. Right now, it's kind of interesting to me. You know, I've noticed that on television, there are a lot of uh, 
commercials <clears throat> being directed toward and pointed toward uh, young people where hard liquor and alcohol is concerned. You know, you'll see uh, Jack Daniels and some of these different ones that are advertising this stuff. Well, that's all well and good, you know. They make it look so nice and wonderful and cheery and, you know, such a, such a uh, sophisticated lifestyle. But the reality is, is that the Scriptures tell us that those things, not only will they enslave you, but they'll kill you. People don't see that. Well, so again, you know, I mean, uh, before I was saved, I didn't know anything about these truths. And people, you know, a lot of times, you know, they, they find themselves in trouble because they don't seem to be able to get away from or get unhooked uh, from these things that have, has gotten a hold of them. But thank God the truth will set you free. Jesus came to deliver people from anything and everything that binds them because he is a delivering God, amen? But you have to come to know that, you know, as a reality within your heart. And, <clears throat> and thank God it's a possibility where everybody believes or where everybody can uh, potentially um, experience it. Now, here's another example about you do believe as far as you know had a conversation here just recently with someone, and they said, uh, and I don't know them to be a Christian, all right? But they said, well, you know, I, I believe in the Bible, and, and I believe in heaven, and I believe in hell, you know, and, and, and you know, and he went on, shared some other things, and, and uh, I thought to myself, well, and again, it wasn't a, uh, an environment where we could, you know, get down and open the scriptures and, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But what I realized in that conversation is, is that there are so many people like that. You know, they do believe as far as they know, but they have no understanding about repentance and salvation and what it is that is required, if that's the right word to, to use, to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and give Him all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. They don't know that. And so they can literally go through their entire lives, live, die, wind up in hell, and say, hey, I believed in heaven. I believed in hell. I believe the Bible. Well, you know, the scriptures say the devils also believe and tremble. There are things that the devil believes as well. But what we need to do is there are certain things we need to come to know for ourselves. Does that make sense to you? <clears throat> I mentioned to you about Jesus, you know, being a 12-year-old boy. And I mean, you know, here he is. He's a kid, you know, and he, he's, he's learning. And uh, he's living life differently than everyone else. I'm sure that Jesus was a hard study, difficult to understand, because he was so diametrically different than the world that was around him, but he was mindful of the truths that are in the scriptures. You say, nah, he was that way because he was the son of God. Well, he was the son of God, but he was also a man born in the flesh. Are you listening to me? So notice, if you would please, here in this story again, <coughs> in this story, interestingly enough, Jesus had had a, um, a day of ministry. The Bible says they took him even as he was. You say, how was he? He was wore out. He was tired. He'd been preaching all day long. And the evening had come, and he said, I want to go to the other side. 
So the responsibility for the disciples was to get the preacher to the other side of uh, the Lake of Gennesaret or Galilee. And so away they went. The Bible says there were some other little ships. Nobody probably thought too much about anything, but they got out in the middle of this thing, and then a storm came up. And uh, the Bible says that he was back in the rear and asleep and on a pillow. And the, and the Bible says that the ship became full of water. Now, I don't know about you, but last time I checked, when boats get full of water, we don't always stay on top, you know? So naturally, there were at least 12 guys in this boat, and everybody is nervous. And so they wake him, and they said, don't you care that we're about to perish? Now, <clears throat> why do I use this uh, illustration? Because so many of us as believers, we're, we're going down the road of life. We're just we're minding our own business, and we're just doing life and, you know, doing what we need to do, and all of a sudden something comes up unexpectedly. That's what happened in this case. And when it does, there is a response that ends up being solicited from us because of that situation. How I many you know what I'm talking about? And a lot of times, um, we are... <laughs> for lack of a better way of saying it, nervous in the service. Because in this case, and again, you're talking about a natural circumstance that had come up, and, and the reality is, is in the natural, they were in a condition or a place of peril where their lives very much were being threatened that they weren't going to live. He said, carest thou not that we perish? Now, I want you to notice with me, let's look here, in this scripture. Notice in verse uh, 39. Here, I'm going to get a drink real quick here. <clears throat> verse 38, he says, don't you care that we're about to perish? <clears throat> the Bible says that Jesus got up. We don't know how he got up. I, I would imagine he probably got up rather calmly. But he arose and he rebuked the wind. Hallelujah. And then the Bible says that he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, I want you to notice this. He turned to these disciples, and he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Now, I don't know about you, but if any of the rest of us, if we'd have been number 13, 14, or 15 in the boat, we would have been, we would have responded just like the other 12, wouldn't you? And yet Jesus asked them, why are you so fearful? It, 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 it implies that that should not have been the response that these disciples had in a condition from a natural standpoint that was absolutely threatening to their lives. Is that not true? Okay. So in 41, you know, the Bible says that these guys, when this happened, it freaked them out. Okay. I mean, it's like, who is this guy? You know, is it, what's it say there, baby? Oh, you were going to, you're supposed to just tell me. 
41, 41, 41, down here. Man, you got this thing all marked up. How am I supposed to read it? Notice it says, and they feared exceedingly. I mean, they went from fearing that they were going to die to fearing what it is that they were in the boat with. They said, who is this guy that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, he was exactly who he said he was, right? Amen. Now, <clears throat> the reason that I use this illustration, or this story actually, and it's, it's written in the Word for us, so that when you come up against circumstances with seemingly no answers, when you come up against family members that have, you know, went MIA or rogue or however you want to call it, when you come up against financial things where resources seem to have disappeared or vanished, when you come up against a doctor's report that says, this is terminal, we're going to have to go through all of these things, and we're not sure what the outcome is. When you come up against these storms of life, and we all come up with them, we all deal with them, as much as in that moment when we are having the opportunity to fear or to be afraid, it's in that moment that we need to look to the one who purchased us with his own blood. Are you with me? Jairus was another individual, you know, uh, in, I believe, the fifth chapter of uh, Mark. He went to Jesus in the Bible. He was a religious ruler. And so he had a lot of clout. He had, uh, he had standing, if you want to call it that. He had position, you know, from, from a social standpoint and, and a, uh, a community kind of thing. Well, they had already decided that they hated Jesus, and they had said that if there's anybody that, that um, embraces what it is that he's preaching this type of thing, you're out. Well, you know, when your daughter gets sick and she's about to die, none of those things matter. All the prestige in the world isn't going to change how you feel about your daughter and wanting to see her well. And Jairus got to that place. In other words, I don't care what you think. The only thing matters is my daughter. So he went to Jesus in public. And the Bible says that he went to his knees and he cried out and asked Jesus to help him. And you know what Jesus said? I'll come and heal her. Just that easy. You know? He said, my daughter lies sick, even at the door of death. And he said... I'll come and heal her. So away they went. Well, they got interrupted with the woman with the issue of blood. A few other things happened before they got there, you know. And, uh, you know, there was a place when finally somebody came from the house and just told Jairus, said, you don't need to trouble him anymore. Your daughter's dead. Now, that's, that's some degree of finality, isn't it? And yet Jesus turned to this guy and says, don't be afraid. Only believe. Woo! Huh? I'm with the man. Huh? So they went to the house, you know, the whole story about when he got there, you know, they were wailing and doing whatever it is that they do. And he said, she's not, she's not dead. She's sleeping. 
And the Bible says that they laughed him to scorn. Well, you know what Jesus did? He didn't get all upset and say, look, you know, I'm going to get after each and every one of you and I'm going to do this and that. No, he just got rid of them. You know, sometimes you need to get rid of people. <laughs> you say, is that Christian? Well, yeah, sometimes, <laughs> you know. So he put them all out. He got rid of them. There are a lot of times, you guys, you see in the scriptures where anybody that didn't believe, people of unbelief, they got left behind. You stay here. We're going to go do business for the kingdom of heaven. Are you with me? And he raised her up. So what am I saying that to you for? Because we all deal with the various things in life that can be, I mean, extremely um, threatening. They can be earth-shattering. They can be um, a lot of different things. But listen to me, child of God. You are not without aid, ever. Did you hear me? Never. When, when you gave your heart to Christ, everything changed. And he wants you not only to know it, but he wants you to believe it. Are you with me? Because, yes, there are many adversaries in the world and the Bible does say many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them. That what? He delivers them out of them all. Hallelujah. So there was something in this relationship, in the relationship that Jesus had with his heavenly father that the, obviously the, the disciples didn't. You know, they didn't understand him. It's not so unlike so many Christians today. They don't really understand our Father. And they don't understand Jesus. And sometimes religious traditions or religion will explain the truth of God's Word away from people. Their reasonings that, that undermine and, and destroy faith in the heart of a person. And it's pretty prevalent. But the one glaring ad attitude or attribute I could, could say that Jesus possessed was absolute peace in the midst of a natural storm. And, you know, I mean, how many of you have ever thought, you know, in your own life, I don't know what I'm going to do, or there's nothing I can do, or I don't have any control over this? Huh? When these guys were in that boat, they said, dude, this is, this is way past our pay grade. We're in trouble. But you know, when you have your heavenly Father as the one, praise God, who is exercising dominion and lordship where your life is concerned, then you can move to another level and you don't have to be afraid. And how it delights his heart. You know, when Caleb said, when he stilled the people and said, let us go up at once, we're well able to take it, praise God, or possess the land, it delighted the heart of our Father. Because he was agreeing with what God said, even though in the midst of this circumstance, it looked like there was, in the natural, no way that that could happen. So what are we talking about? We're talking about a conscious dependence upon the God of heaven and earth that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Hallelujah. And so we can be thankful for that. So 
when it comes to the storms of life for you, how do you respond? Don't answer the question, okay? And the reason I say that is, you know, <clears throat> there's no condemnation because all of us have had things leveled at us that we didn't expect. Are you with me? But, but what's the point? The point is not to condemn ourselves because, well, we didn't perform real well there. The point is, let's get better. And how do we get better? We get better by learning and coming to know Him better. Are you with me? Y'all glad you came this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. Think about this with me for a moment. Now, I'm going to make some statements to you that, that I want you to give some real thought to. All right? First of all, think about this. There is, and, and maybe this is a better way of saying it. When I make this statement, then you tell me whether or not you agree with it. Okay? <clears throat> there is no defeat, no, none, no defeat in Jesus. How many of you would agree with that? Yes. I mean, there is absolutely no defeat in Jesus. The only thing that there is in Christ is victory. That's all there is, okay? Now, there, really, there isn't even an inkling of uh, <clears throat> what you might call defeat or loss, only, only victory. In every situation in life, heaven's chorus is a constant benediction and, and, and constant amen to the idea of victory. There is, there is no loss, there's no defeat, there's no none of that in heaven. And when Jesus prayed, he prayed, Lord, pray, or he told the people, pray that the will of God may be done on earth like it is where? In heaven. And there is no defeat there. You know, none. None whatsoever. You know? And, and so there's simply no defeat in Christ Jesus. Let me, listen, let me read these scriptures. Because and, and rather than my making these statements, just let me read to you the record that we have in the scriptures about these matters. You say, well, why do you want to do that? Because it might help you. Praise God to start believing what it is that the Bible says about your Lord and Savior, so that when you're in the boat with the 12, you can say, wait a minute, isn't there something maybe that he would have taught us that we could do here? Huh? Here's the scripture. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying to me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold... I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of hell and of death. Glory to God. 
Now, how many of you know that's true? But how many of us really believe that? You know, the revelation of Revelation 1, 17 and 18, this is something that John was, that he had seen or it was revealed to him. This is who Christ is. He said, I have the keys. That means authority to everything. You say, even my little things that I got going on in my life, even your little things that you got going on in your life. Here's another scripture. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. This is after his resurrection. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power or authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So go therefore, teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe the things whatsoever I've commanded you. And, hey, 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 lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. I am with you how long? He's with you what? He's always with you. Always. You know, some people, I mean, you know, they say, well, where's God and all this? How come, you know, if God is this, then how come that? You know, well, obviously, when you live so in the natural, you really couldn't probably see God if you wanted to. Are you with me? So what are we required to do? We're required, of course, to believe what it is that the Bible has to say. In every crisis of life, God and his power stands ready to help and to deliver those that are in need. And that includes you. Hallelujah. Well, you know, but pastor, I mean, we've been dealing with this for so long and this, it doesn't make any difference how long you've been dealing with it. The fact of the matter is, is he wants to come to your aid and help you and fix it and change the circumstance. Are you listening to me? And that's why, praise God, you know, you say, well, how come it takes so long? Above my pray grade. Most of the time it's because We haven't got to the place that we need to in terms of our own convictions and what it is that we believe. Remember, you know, when the Lord spoke to Brother Hagin, he said, you do believe as what? Far as you know. So, you know, and and, and I'm going to say something here um, delicately, as delicately as I know how. But, you know, people oftentimes, when you start preaching like this, they'll say, well, then how do you square what you just got done saying with this circumstance or that circumstance or, you know, how come this person didn't live? How come this person, you know, this, that, or the other? Well, the reality is, is there's probably a number of different reasons, some of which we can know, some of which we do know, and a lot of things that we don't know. Are you with me? But I think at the end of the day, you have to come to grips with the simple fact that for whatever the reason, the problem is not with heaven. It's not with God. Okay? I may not understand everything that happened, but the problem wasn't with heaven. There are some things that are predetermined because people have made poor choices or decisions, you know. Uh, They don't always live out the full length of their days. You know, I, I read the scriptures all the time. You know, that with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. You know, well, so the Bible promises long life. Would you agree? With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation, but not everybody lives 
a long life. Sometimes, you know, people violate natural law. They abuse their bodies and different things of that nature. And, you know, your body's not designed for that kind of thing. And if you're not a good steward of it, then chances are you're going to have some problems. People also violate spiritual law. Okay? I'm telling you, that book is true. It doesn't make any difference what people think or believe or say or whatever. This thing right here, it's, it's absolutely true. So what I want to do is I want to get myself over here where I belong, where the Word is concerned, so that I can get in step with it because I want God's best. How many of you want His best? So when I come up against something that I don't understand, you know, I can certainly pray about it. If He sees fit to tell me, then, you know, then I'm, I'm more in the know than I was. If He doesn't, then I'm going to assume it's none of my business even though I think it is. How many of you think sometimes there's stuff that's your business that really isn't your business? You with me? People in the world today, they got so many opinions. My Lord Jesus, help us. Amen. You know what would be really good for a lot of Christians is if your phone would blow up. <clears throat> we have to filter through this stuff. They were just had a a deal here recently, I was, you know, thumbing through and I was watching about, you know, um, uh, they were commenting on how much stuff is being leveled at us constantly. You're getting all these prompts for this and that and the other and, you know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, instead of having 17 emails, you got 17 million emails and you can't hardly unsubscribe fast enough. And there's not that. There's these other prompts. You know, after all, man, I mean, if you got Casey's Reward, they're going to let you know how many donuts you can buy for a really cheap deal. And they're probably going to do it six times a day. Hey, hey, hey. You know what I'm saying? You say, are you a Casey's Reward member? Yes, I am. But I haven't checked it for so long, dude. I could probably buy a Casey's store for as much as I, you know, whatever. You get the point. There's so much noise in the world, you guys, and sometimes you just got to get away from it. Jesus taught us that principle. There were very often times when he got away. So anyway, in every crisis of life, in every crisis, maybe you're in a crisis. I'm telling you, in every crisis of life, God stands ready to help and deliver you in that situation. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians, the fourth chapter. <clears throat> Look with me, a familiar portion of Scripture here. Everybody say it together. Thank God. His Word is true. Everybody say, thank God. I believe the Word. Yes, hallelujah. You have to learn to believe God's Word. Now, notice here, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. The Apostle Paul's writing by inspiration of the Spirit of God, and it says in the King James, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Some people would say, well, that's just not possible. Now, wait a minute. Back up the train. How many of we believe that God's word is true? Amen. He said, be careful for nothing. So is it possible not to be anxious? And that's the context here. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, 
let your requests be made known unto God. So now let me ask you a question. When it comes to our praying, are we just praying to console ourselves? Well, you know, I prayed about it. You with me? In other words, why do we pray? Is it say, well, you know, the Bible tells me that I just need to pray, so I'm going to pray. Well, thank you, and I, I can appreciate that. But I think that there is with this scripture an intent that goes beyond just my, you know, shooting up a flare and saying, God, help me. You believe that? So it says, never be anxious or be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, hallelujah, that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Now, the Amplified Bible says it this way. It says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. That's a tall order. You know, some of you, you know, maybe you got employees and you want to strangle a bunch of them. But the Bible says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance... And in everything, by prayer and petition, a defined request with thanksgiving. Now, why would I thank God? Because my expectation is, is he's going to help me. Huh? That he's going to intervene, that he's going to give me wisdom. He's going to show me what it is that I need to do. Are you listening to me? And so when I do that, you know, then it comes. The storms of life and the crisis of life, they come to all of us, but again, we're never without aid because there is nothing but victory in Christ if we'll look to him. Remember the uh, woman with the issue of blood I mentioned, to, mentioned her to you earlier? You know, how many of you think she was in a crisis? She was in a terrible crisis. I mean, I don't know that you and I can even um, appreciate that she had spent all of her money. The physician said that she, well, she wasn't getting any better. She was getting worse. And she was, she was in a bad way. She was in a crisis. But the Bible says that when she heard of Jesus, everybody say, thank you, Jesus. When she heard of him, she came in the press behind because she had evidently heard that there was virtue that was flowing from him and people were touching his garment or touching him and being healed. She said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. That was her faith. And sure enough, she came in the press behind, up through the back, got up to where he was, touched him. And with that touch of faith, God's power went into her body and affected a healing and cure for her in her need. Jesus felt the virtue. See, the thing of it is, is that God's anointing or his power can be and is tangible. And he recognized it. He turned around and said, who touched me? And the disciples, of course, they said, well, you know, we're doing about all that we can just to keep people off of you. What are you talking about who touched me? But then he looked around about to find her that had done this thing. And he said, woman, your faith. Everybody say your faith. Your faith has made you whole. Go and be free from your plague.
She was in a crisis. All right? Think about this other story with me. Remember the widow in, uh, I think it's about 2 Kings chapter 4. You can read it sometime if you want to. The widow, um, her husband had died, and she had two sons. And the debtors were coming after her, and she had nothing to pay them with. So they were going to take her two sons and basically sell them off into slavery. So she went to the prophet, and we could say in the case of you and I, you know, we don't have to go to the prophet. Thank God we can go to Jesus. So she had a debt she couldn't pay, and it was threatening her very livelihood. So she went to, go with me on this, to God. She went to Elijah. And she started pleading her case about her husband being a godly man and actually one other prophets and he had passed and now they've come and they're going to take my kids. Now, remember I said sometimes, you know, God can intervene in your situation in a very supernatural kind of way to turn the whole circumstance around. Sometimes he can give you the wisdom that you need for that circumstance to turn the situation around. Sometimes there's things that we have to do, but we have to look to the Lord. Amen. And then he can, he can, you know, make the thing uh, um, turn to our advantage. So the prophet Elijah said, what do you have in your house? And she says, I don't have anything but a cruise of oil. And then the word of knowledge came to her by the prophet, by the Spirit of God, and said, go send those sons out that are going to, you know, get sold off into slavery and have them borrow every vessel they can find. And you pour out of that, for thus saith the Lord, the cruise will not fail. And I don't know what, what all else, you know, was said in that thing. So uh, that's what he told the kids to do. They went out and they did the deal. She started pouring into these vessels, and it just kept pouring. I said it just kept pouring. Everybody say it kept pouring. It just kept pouring. Hallelujah. And she finally, you know, she said, did you get everyone? She says, go out and get some more. She says, mama, there are no more. And as soon as she had exhausted everything that was available to her, the Bible says that that oil stayed or it stopped pouring. And then the prophet said, go pay off your debts and live off the rest. So not only did he take care of the debt problem, praise God, the Spirit of God financed her retirement. Are you listening to me? Now, this is a real story. This is something that happened in the life of someone that was, would you not say, in a crisis? I tell you what, praise God, you guys, you don't have to fear if you'll look to him. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Another story is Paul's shipwreck. You know, when all hope, listen, when all hope of their living was gone. Isn't that what the scripture says? What did Paul do? Well, he got before God, and the Spirit of God showed up and said, Listen, Paul, because you're on this rig, I'm going to spare you and all the 275 other people that are with you. So he got up and he said, Hey, guess what? We're all going to live. And they may have thought, Yeah, right. What have you been smoking? Or, you know, who knows? He said, There stood by me this night an angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve. So he said, be of good cheer, because I believe that it shall be as it was told me. And guess what? They lived. I said they lived. Now the ship and the rest of the stuff, that got lost, but the people lived. I said they lived. 
Amen. That wasn't God's best, but if they'd have listened to him in the beginning, they'd have never left the port. You with me? So that's, and that's a great story for some people, you know, they say, well, again, you know, how come God, this, that, or the other? Listen, if you, some people, if they would have just listened, don't be blaming God because he's not the one to be blamed. You know, we just got done singing about how good our God is and he is good. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So when we get into these things, and I know there's that temptation. People have temptation all the time to get bitter instead of better. They, they have a tendency to want to blame instead of saying, God, I don't understand this, but I know that you're on my side. Because he is. The Lord is on your side. So what you don't want to have to do is go back and repent and say, God, how stupid and ignorant I was that I would blame you for what it is that's going on in my life. You're not the one who destroys. You're the one that heals. You're not the one that takes away. You're the one that brings recovery. You're not the one that causes the problem. You're the one that has a solution. That's the God that we serve. Are you listening? How many of you believe that? How many of you are still wondering? How many of you aren't sure? <laughs> Hallelujah. We need to grow in our faith. Glory to God towards God, and we do that by believing those things which he has promised. Let me say this to you. You know, a lot of times people give up too quick. Christians, I'm talking about Christians. They give up and they don't believe God for much at all, and that's sad. Jesus talked about this. I'm trying to close. You guys are really great listeners. You know, the thing of it is, is you got to go while you can because you know, you spend all this time and effort and whatever to show up, might as well get something out of it. Huh? Tony Cook, he's a colleague and friend of ours. He did a survey and they had a deal where he asked the question, how long do you preach? And so uh, he, he gave them like, you know, uh, 15 minutes or maybe 20 minutes, uh, 30 minutes, 40 and whatever. And so the vast majority of preachers preach 40 minutes, okay, percentage-wise. So I asked the guys, you know, how long, how long do I preach? And they go, well, Pastor, uh, an hour and 13, an hour and 16. And I said, no, no way. They said, yeah, Yahweh. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, we have it right here. You know, the clicker clicks and it counts, you know. But I think that probably, I know a lot of people, you know, they all have, everybody has all kinds of ideas about what you should be doing, how long you ought to preach, or that's too long, or this or that or the other. But uh, I can tell you right now, there's such a huge deficiency of the Word of God being communicated to people. It's no wonder that they have problems like they do. So, well, I don't have time for this. I got all this. Dude, you got the wrong priorities going on in your life. Are you with me? Pull yourself aside for a little bit. You know, that's why we have, you know, like right now in, in a lot of our churches, you know, Word of Faith churches, people don't have extended meetings. I mean, churches don't have extended meetings. You know why? Because people won't come. It's a sad commentary. I just decided I'm going to have them whether anybody comes or not, you know. And you hear me all the time because I'm not doing this because I need something else to do. Sure, I could preach Sunday mornings and that's all I do, have no midweek service, no special meetings, none of those things. You know, just, hey, best of luck. Hope you get along all right. 
But that's not what I tell you. We're having these meetings. Why? For you. So that you can sit underneath the anointing of God's living word and be benefited from it. And they always grow. They always get better. People are always blessed. Some of the best service and ministry that we had in the last one we had was on Wednesday night. Because people, you know, they get in a position to receive from God. But trying to tell people that, whew, well, we, my wife and I have a, a tall order sometimes. Where was I? I kind of went, went off on something there. How, oh, yeah, a lot of people give up. Remember that? They give up and don't believe God much. Now, here, Jesus, um, <clears throat> Jesus, in Mark chapter 4, you, you go home and read it. We, we was above or below this, but if you go back up, and he talks about the parable of the sower, and you're familiar with it. But listen to me. He, he, he talks about his preaching, the Word of God, and how it impacts people's lives, and to what degree or what percentage. He says, the sower sows the Word. The seed is the Word of God. And he said, some of it ends up by the wayside, other on stony ground, some among thorns, and then some make it to the good ground. So he describes three different places where this seed ends up, you know, and he talks about some of it, it never even gets a chance to follow the air, come and steal it. The devil comes and steals the word. You know, I've preached many times, and I'll, I'll watch the countenance of some people, and, and they are not connected with what it is that I'm talking about. And they don't believe what I'm talking about. And they cannot wait until I'm done. So I just make it miserable for them and preach a long time. Now... I, I don't really care about that, you know. Thank you, Lord. But he said that there are those that receive. He talked about those that are in stony ground. He's talking about the condition of a person's heart, really. And he talks about the stony ground, who when they hear the word of God, they receive it with, does anybody know what that is? Huh? Gladness. Gladness. They're excited. Wow. I can't tell you how many people that I've come to know that come to the church. They say, man, I have never heard anything like this before. It's awesome. But you can't find them now. <clears throat> they receive the word with gladness. And then afterwards, everybody say afterwards, when affliction, affliction, I said affliction. You know, James said, are any of you afflicted? Let him what? Pray. Huh? Pray. Why? So the affliction could get worse? No. So it could get better. Affliction means tested or tried. And, and again, this kind of comes back to living in this world. Oh, happy day when we get to heaven. Amen? But, but, but the Bible instructs us as to what to do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, anyway... He says they endure for a time, and then when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. What does that mean? That means you have chosen to begin to apply what God's word says, and that results in persecution. You don't drink anymore? Nope. Been saved, got delivered, 
Thank God. You don't this, you don't that, you don't do all the things that the world do. You don't chew, you don't smoke, you don't go out with women that do. <laughs> Amen. No. I'm telling you what, man, the, the life of God is transformational. And it'll change you from the inside out. It's not that I don't do these things. I don't want to do them anymore. Aren't you glad for that? Thank God for being delivered. So anyway, they, they, they endure for a while, but then when affliction or persecution rises for the word's sake, immediately they are, the King James says, offended. Some of your Bibles say they stumble and fall away. So they never really, like I said before, you know, they, they quit too soon or they give up. And so they don't really build, you know. Um, listen, you guys, faith is something that is built, you know, down on the inside of you. And, and it comes through your exposure to the Word of God. Amen. And, and that's the way it comes. But many times, you know, <laughs> little, little is done um, when it comes because we never spend our lives building our faith. Like I said, a lot of people, they'll just get saved. They know they're saved. Thank God for the grace of God. Amen. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift. And boom, you're there. Okay. But you can go through an entire lifetime, decades, and never really ever build your faith so that when the storms of life to come, you know, you're just left up to whatever it is you can, you know, come up with in the situation. Are you listening to me? Huh? Well, let's not be like that. Let's, let's have some substance about us. Let's continue to grow. That's why we do, you know, uh, small groups, you know, or life groups, whatever you want to call them. We do these things so that, so that we can create an environment where we can learn, we can grow, we can, you know, build relationships and things of that nature. But, but it's, it's something intentional. It's something deliberate that we endeavor to do to put people in a place where, hey, maybe I can learn something with me, you know? And so that's, that's the reason why we do it. Like, again, like I said, I mean, I'm not looking for something else to do, man. I can just get out on my little bitty, you know, acreage there with my tractor and drive around. And I can be as happy as a clam, you know? Are you with me? But no, we do it because we want to help people. Amen. And we want people to grow. So I'm out of time, and I'd like to talk more with you about some of these things, but I want to encourage you to get acquainted with your Father through the Word. Amen? And I know there are a lot of times, you know, listen, let's, let's renew our commitment this morning. How about that? You know, to, to, to grow and to develop in faith. So that when things, you say, well, how do I do that? Well, the next time something comes your way unexpectedly or is threatening or something of that nature, instead of, you know, throwing up your hands and saying, what are you going to do? You can just stop and say, now, wait a minute. What did pastor say? That, that scripture, what was that scripture? Philippians 4, 6, not to be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Huh? Hallelujah. That could change a few things, couldn't it? Why don't you stand with me this morning? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I want us to build some fortifications within our hearts. You know, I tell you what, when I get into a crisis or a problem or something like that and I need help, I'm, I'm going to start looking for somebody that believes God. Aren't you? 
I'm going to find somebody that has faith. I'm going to say, hey, join with me, agree with me, hallelujah. I got some great pastor friends, you know, um, that, I mean, if we had a need in our life that uh, necessitated that, man, I'd, I mean, I'd be all over it. Amen. You want somebody that will agree with you according to the Bible. Amen. You don't, wanna, you don't want somebody that wants to chime in and say, yeah, I know it's terrible and, you know, I don't know what's going to happen or whatever. You want somebody, praise God, that has faith. Because we do live in perilous times and difficult times and things. But boy, are there promises that are available to us. Why don't you just go ahead and bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, I, I, I think to the best of my ability, at least, I've endeavored to convey these truths to the hearts of these, your people. And Father God, <clears throat> as we stand before you this morning... I ask you, Father, to help us to renew our commitment to you, to be people of faith, be people, Father, that look to you and ask what would Jesus really do or what does the Bible have to say about my situation. And Father God, I thank you that we have the privilege of being able to cast all of our care onto you because you care for us. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, if you've come this morning, or maybe even watching online, and your heart and your mind is filled with a load of care, your Heavenly Father wants you to drop that off at His place right now. And it, it begins with an act of your will. It begins with a thing called faith because of what you've heard, a response to him on the basis of what it is that he's promised. And when you do it, praise God, he'll take it and remove it from your hearts and from your mind. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So while your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, Anyone here this morning feeling the burden of prayer, wanting to have it released from you? It can be anything. It can be health. It can be finances. It can be relationships. It can be any number of things. But if you're here and you're saying, you know, I recognize that it's, it's dominating or controlling or influencing my life, and I don't want it to, let me see your hand wherever you're at. Thank you, sir. Yeah, everywhere. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, we're going to come before our Father, and I'm telling you that He's going to come to your aid right now. And I want you to believe Him because uh, um, He's going to do exactly what He said. Hallelujah. You say, well, I've been here before, Pastor, and, you know, I thought I got rid of it, but, you know, it came back. Well, that stands to reason the devil is relentless. But we're going to do something different here today. Praise God. I want you to pray, church, as a group. There are many that raise their hands, and we're going, to, we're going to add our faith together with them about their circumstance. God knows all about it, and praise God, He's going to begin to work in that situation because it's faith that moves the hand of God. Hallelujah. So let's pray together. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much 
for your promise to my heart. And I declare this day that I believe you, that I choose to believe the word of God in my situation. You said to cast all my care onto you. I ask you, Father, to help in my situation. And I thank you so very much for your aid. And I expect to see a change. And I also thank you for your peace in my heart and mind. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for doing what only you can do. Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. I hear the Holy Ghost saying, now is not the time to withdraw and disconnect, but rather this is the time to reload and become a person who is drawn to the heart of the Father. For there is a plan and a purpose that I have for you, and it is a good one. And I will bring about those things. I will bring to pass those things that I have spoken concerning you. And the will of God shall be manifested in your life as you trust and believe in me. So now is not the time to draw back, but rather to move forward and allow the Spirit of God to be your guide in those matters which concern you. And yes, I will bring it to pass, says the Lord, and there will be a grace that is upon your life to stand before me and to say, Oh, my Father, thank you for bringing to pass what it is you promised, and you'll be able to rejoice and you'll be glad. And yes, there will be great reason for rejoicing, and you can then declare it to those around you to say, look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just raise one hand and thank him today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for bringing these things to pass. Thank you for manifesting yourself in their lives. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy to those that are in need today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, why don't you just praise him a little bit? It wouldn't hurt you at all. Glory to God. Let's just magnify him. Thank you, Lord. We bless you today. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for working supernaturally in the lives of these, your people, Father God, to bring about changes. Yes, giving them the desires of their heart making all things new, replenishing that which has been lost, deficiencies, Father, that they've experienced in their lives. Father, I thank you for hope rising up within them. Glory to God. Father, I thank you for your grace that abounds, Father, in their lives. Oh, such hope. Thank you, Father. Yes, again, to believe again. Yes, to believe again. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Father. Yes, for blessing them from the inside out. Glory to God. Yes, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, turn around. <clears throat> turn around. 
I hear the Holy Ghost saying, turn around. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Some of you, you can look. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm sorry. Some of you, you can look up here now, but some of you have been enduring some incredible fights of affliction. And I'm telling you what, today is a new day for you. Amen. I say it by the Holy Ghost. I mean, you have fought a fight, and I'm telling you, God is coming to visit you and bring and restore joy back into your life. You know, where there's been uh, the, 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 the weight or the heaviness of all of that, I mean, God is going to drop something on the inside of you. So when you go to shouting and, and rejoicing and all of that, let me know. Let me know about that experience that you had because God took that, you know, mourning out of your heart, that heaviness out of it, and gave you some gladness. Hallelujah. If you worship the, the Lord and look to him and say, God, I thank you, praise God for delivering me, I will guarantee you he's going to show up. And I tell you what, there'll be a deposit, a replacement, yeah, that nobody will ever be able to take away from you. 